Our text is Psalms chapter 146, verses 3 and 4, in a sermon I've titled, The Lord God Only. You know, we are getting ready to start school this week. We'll have the teachers there in tomorrow and this week, and a lot of things going on. We had the PTA meeting at the PTF meeting. Whatever it is, they meet here on Friday night. And uh, we have a lot of things going, and then the kids. We've got uh, a very increased enrollment over this past year, so that's that's great. Uh, Last year, your prayers were used of the Lord to bring many to Christ. Don't let up on that. Don't let up. Uh, the theme, not I, but Christ, the Lord, our Savior, work through your prayers. OCA is a ministry of Central Baptist Church. Every ministry of this church needs your prayers. Now, this is working with children. I, I think we have a program here around uh, VPK. What is that, four-year-olds and up? And, and uh, so they... they uh, uh, are very excited at that age about coming to school. Now, by the time they're teenagers, they're not excited about that at all. But uh, they're, they're excited at that age. But it reminded me of the story of a little boy. They were eating at grandmother's house, and they got to the table. Boy, he saw that stuff that he really liked, and he started eating on it. And his mother said, Johnny, what's wrong with you? You know we always pray before we eat. We don't have to here. Yes, we do. Why don't we? Because grandma knows how to cook. (laughs) That can be rough, all right. Okay, well, enough of that. Let's get started here with our uh, text. Psalms 146, verses 3 and 4. Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom... There is no help. His breath goeth forth. He returneth to his earth. In that very day, his thoughts perish. The breath returning to the earth is that his life has left his body, whether he's a prince's or the just regular son of men. Whatever, he says, not to put your trust. So let's have a word of prayer, then we'll look at this today. Father, we do have one that we can trust. He's never wrong. He'll never die. He'll always fulfill his word, his way, and it's always best for those who love God and are called according to his purpose who will just walk in his will. So, Lord, I pray that you would just uh, use this message today to speak to hearts throughout this auditorium, as well as those uh, listening by WTYG and those watching by live stream. Lord, I just pray that this would be a time of edification for the saint, for salvation for the lost soul, and for glorifying that great name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we'd ask this in your blessed and holy name. Amen. This chapter is a chapter of praise. Now, we uh, told you that last week as when we got into this, is that our Lord inhabits praise of His people. 
he always inhabits the praises of his people. So we cannot be too firm on our resolve to praise God. And you're not sure what you got to praise for him. Just look back over the day and, and you'll see how many times God was there. You just weren't aware of it. We, we have... We can praise Him each and every day. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 19 and 20, we read this. Uh, it says, Speaking unto yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Isn't it interesting that the Bible itself uses the word melody? Do you think that's God's will? Yeah. Listen. In this praise, this is not what you call, they today call a praise team. They have some young ladies on it that are doing sensual dancing and using so-called godly words, and they're, they're words that are really more blaspheming in the way they're acting. And it's as if they're in some nightclub performing. Our God is holy. He is holy. And that is just a bunch of trash that the devil has developed in too many churches that swallowed the, the Kool-Aid, so to speak. And so that should never be in there. That is not a praise team of the Lord. That is a praise team of hell. And you cannot, cannot please God in that way. Now, verse 20 goes on, and he says, uh, giving thanks always for all things unto God. And the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is in a Greek tense that uh, has the idea of habitual action. Habitual praise of our God. It's to be part of the believer's life who actually does more than profess, actually walks with God daily. And it's a part of who they are. Um, it is carrying out their faith. You know, faith most often refers in the Bible to a system of trust or faith in doctrine. In other words, it's the doctrine of God's Word and is proven by our lives. Uh, faith is not an intellectual understanding. Faith is a deliberate commitment to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ serving at the direction of His Holy Word and in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. That is faith. If you don't have that, you have a dead faith. Now, I say that, I say that worship of God, we have much to worship, it should be continual in our lives. How many times? Have you been in a hard place of life? Perhaps you're driving down the road and those things are in your mind and a song comes to your mind. A song that you heard in church and you start singing that song as you're driving down the road and it ministers to your heart. One thing I appreciate about Brother, Bre uh, Brother Kevin, he always chooses songs in here for congregational singing, as well as our choir, that are scripturally right, 
And if you'll think on those things and you'll listen to those things, you'll find that somewhere along the line they're going to minister to your heart. And they're such a help. I, I can remember doing those things myself, and I can even remember that getting up in the morning, maybe you have a burden on your heart, and you get up in the morning, and somehow the Lord just puts those songs in your heart, and, and, and you want to sing them. Now, if it's 5 o'clock in the morning, uh, I don't sing out loud. My wife has a license to carry, so I don't sing out loud, okay? But I do mouth them, and they go over those words in my heart and mind, and they minister to me. They minister to me, especially, I read the word, the Lord will, reading that word sometimes will bring those songs to your heart, and they'll be a help and a strength at that very time. So I encourage you to do that. What a blessing it will be to you throughout as you seek to serve the Lord, as, they minister, as he ministers to your heart. Now, uh, I don't want to wait until hard times to praise God. Now, in faithfulness, the 119th Psalm tells us he afflicted us. He afflicted us to help correct us. He does that from time to time. And it's always, always, always for our good. All things work together for good to those that love God. Now, if you are loving God, you're called according to His purpose. Your call, if you're saved, is to do His will. Things work together for good, all things. You say, well, wait a minute. All things? I've had some things in my life that didn't work together for good. Oh, you're missing the point. A lot of times he allows those things in his lives to make you strong. Just like the Apostle Paul said, I prayed three times for the, that thorn in the flesh to be removed. He was the messenger of Satan himself. And the Lord said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. And he learned things about grace that helped him to serve the Lord joyfully. So those things become very important in our lives. We have an omniscient that is an all-knowing, omnipotent, all-powerful, all-glorious God. How can we not continually praise Him in our heart? Now, I want us to look at our text verse here. There are two people, though, in whom not to put confidence. First of all, he says, in princes. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, at times, it's a president. Other times, it may be a king. It may be a dictator. In different countries, different lives, different people risen to those positions, and that's the man that's going to change our lives. Oh, it's going to be so wonderful. But look at verse 3. He says, Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. You can have the best policies that you think and your opinion in the world, and yet the country can fall apart. 
crime. So many other things can happen. So it doesn't save the country. <coughs> what happened when we had President Trump? Well, we had the Antifa thing. We had the BLM thing. We had other things going on. And there's buildings being destroyed, fires, people being killed. He's out of the presidency. Another man's in the presidency. What's happening? People are getting killed. Crime's still there. Evil's still there. So men aren't the final help. Our help cometh from the Lord. We understand that. Uh, our trust must be in the Lord in all matters of life. Following His Word in all thy ways, acknowledging Him, that is God's way, that is God's will, to acknowledge Him in all your ways. Now, I think of Ephesians 2.10 as a Christian. If you're saved, this is for you. If you're not saved, this can't be for you because you can't do it until you are saved. And there's nothing holding you back from being saved. But you've got to be saved. But then Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained, that we should walk in them. God has a specific will for your life, Christian. Now, you can do well financially, you can do well in other ways in this life, but if you're not fulfilling the will of God as a Christian, you're going to be saved so as by fire. Now, I'm not doing that as a threat. I'm doing that as a, a man of God that has a message that God gives from His Word, and I'm giving you God's Word. I can't make you do anything. That's between you and God. You've got to decide whether you're going to do what God wants you to do, or you might think your way's better. And you find out the judgment seat, you're saved so as by fire. <coughs> I've, I've heard people say, it's a terrible thing to say, well, as long as I'm saved, that's all I care about. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Gave His life, shed His blood, became a human being just so He could pay for your sin and let you have everlasting life. That was love. And you don't have any love. You say, oh, I love God. No, you don't. You won't give a thing for Him. It's got to be your way. What you do for Him, well, I want a big pat on the back for that. I want everybody recognizing me if I do it. That doesn't do it, folks. Look, as a pastor... I have a responsibility to preach the Word. If somebody doesn't obey that, there is no joy for me if they don't and if they appear at heaven's gate empty-handed. There is no joy. There's sorrow in that. There's no rejoicing. Look, we want you to have the best that the Lord wants for you to have. And that's by walking with Him. Being faithful, being obedient in all areas. Do God's will, God's way, in God's timing. 
And it will always, always, always be right. Now, so you do his will his way. Uh, you know, these men may be of great power, wealth, or both. You know, they may be of both, but the, the policies and prosperity will one day fail. They'll no longer stand because it was man's idea. That's the idea then of Christ, not I. That's why Christ is first in all things. You see, no matter what men do that seem to be good, what Jesus does never fails. He'll never fail in saving you if you receive him. Never. You die in Christ, it won't fail. You'll be caught up to be with the Lord. Your spirit will go immediately to be with him. Then one day your body will be caught up to be with the Lord. But the second thing they're not to put your confidence in is the Son of Man. That is regardless of their wealth, regardless of their position in life, regardless of their intellect. Matter of fact, Instead of critical thinking about man. Now I want you to understand. Critical thinking that is used in most of the <coughs> schools today was born in Marxism. And they've perfected it to try to hide it. But to be quite frank with you, you don't hide anything from God. You can fool people, but you can't fool God. If you want to think critically, <coughs> there is a way to think critically. The Word of God is the absolute final truth in all things. Use God's Word so that when you hear something that's contrary to the Word of God, you can honestly say, that is wrong. That is not best. Well, a lot of people like it. It doesn't matter if they like it. It's not best. It's not right. God's Word is our measure in everything. You see, no man is more human than you. So even though they've attained in this life, they've attained things of the world, they're still men of flesh. And look at verse 4. His breath goeth forth and returneth to the earth. He still dies, no matter who he is. He can be the uh, president. He can be the richest, wealthiest man in the world. People talk about George Soros. I can tell you about George Soros. He's going to die one day. They talk about different people. They're going to die one day. Whether you think they're great or you think they're terrible, they're going to die one day. The only eternal life is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, so those men are subject to what you are. They're subject to death. Dust to dust, earth to earth, ashes to ashes. The greatest among men should know that. The greatest among princes should know that. But I want you to know that even the greatest of men and princes had opposition. And if you stand for the Lord, and you try to do right, you're going to have opposition. But faith says... I believe God, doesn't matter what kind of criticism I get. 
I believe God, it doesn't matter what people say. I believe God, so if it costs me something in my job, it costs me something in my income, I'm still going to stand with the Lord. He'll supply my need. See, that's faith. That's faith. That's trusting in God according to His Word. See, their brilliant plans will perish. Their thoughts will one day be unapplicable to the modern day because the modern day thinks in worldly, fleshly things, not heavenly things, not spiritual things, not life things. But the Word of God of our Lord shall endure forever. In every generation, the Word of God will be still true, it will still be accurate, and it will still be pertinent. Hallelujah, what a Savior! Hallelujah, what a God! When, when people say, y'all just behind times. No, we're not. You're thinking the 21st century. We're thinking eternity. You've got a long way to go. Where do you stand? Where do you stand? You see, we have a Lamp and Light broadcast, and I'm going to go to Revelation 13 here for just a few minutes. But our Lamp and Light broadcast is been doing it for over 20 years now. But uh, we run old ones Monday through Friday night at 8 o'clock at night. And I'm telling you that because right now it's the old ones they're running are the book of Revelation. It's a 15-minute program, so you don't get the whole book in one program. Okay. I don't know how long it'll be going. I don't know how long it's been going so far, but it will continue until it goes all the way through verse by verse. So if you want to get more in Revelation, you can. But I'm going to look at Revelation chapter 13 uh, just to point out something about this modern day in which we live. Because today, men have all these brilliant thoughts and plans that they think are so good. But, you know, there's a tribulation hour coming to this world. Revelation chapter 13, verses 15 through 18, talks about it. We have the Antichrist, the whole chapter 13 of Revelation. There's the Antichrist. The dragon is the devil in that particular thing. The Antichrist is the world leader. The beast, he's referred to as the beast. That's probably a better termination, but he is uh, Antichrist. He's against the Lord. He's against all that is his. And there will be a false prophet, all three in that chapter. And they'll rise up, they'll have power to put many saints to death, many Christians to death. I want you to listen to this as I go over it. <coughs> he says there, uh, and he had power to give life unto the image of the beast. They make an image of a beast, of that world leader. And there's a power such that if people don't bow down to it, they immediately die. They get killed. And he gave power that the image of the beast should both speak, and cause that as many as would not worship him, the image of the beast, should be killed. The world leader 
again, he's referred to as the beast or the Antichrist. But there's many other things that describe him and speaks about him. He kills the two prophets of God that had such power, and yet he's allowed to kill them. And they allow him to lay in the streets, Revelation 11 describes it, for three days, and then they, God raises them up and takes them on up into heaven. Scares the people half to death. They thought this guy was so great to kill him, but now he can't stop the resurrection. Satan can't stop the resurrection, by the way. He won't. So, uh, there are many things that describe in this guy, but then he speaks blasphemies against God. And he doesn't get struck dead immediately. They say, okay, this guy is greater than God. God won't do anything to him, but he'll deceive the people. Verse 16 says, he causes both the small and the great, the rich and the poor, the free and the bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. No one is exempt. Now, let me tell you about this tribulation. It doesn't take place, it won't take place in my lifetime. Why? Because I'm going to be raptured out. Okay. The rapture will take place. The rapture is when everybody that's saved, those that died and were buried, whose spirits are with the Lord, but their bodies are in the grave. We who are alive and remain, we'll see that the dead in Christ are raised first, and then we which alive and remain are caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Immediately, that body comes out. It's not going to be the body their spirits are going to be in. It's going to be a body, a new body, fashioned like unto Christ's glorious body. In a moment, twinkling of an eye. Well, after the rapture, boy, the world's going to be kind of upset. But this world leader called the beast, he'll rise up. Everybody will think he's great. And the, the, the tribulation doesn't start with the rapture. It'll start when he signs a covenant with Israel. Then it's seven years. It uh, happens after the tribulation. How long will it be between that? I don't know. Could be immediate. Could be a couple of years. I don't know, but I do know that once it starts, it starts a seven-year period, that it's the worst period of history for the earth. Death everywhere. This world leader. And... There is a number that he gives that you've got to receive this mark. If you don't receive this mark, it's the number 666. Then you can't buy, sell, or trade. If you won't receive it, you could be put to death. Many people that get saved in the tribulation will be put to death for getting saved. If you receive the mark of the beast, you cannot get saved. You just cannot get saved once you receive it. And people say, well, wow, that's tough. The tribulation is going to be a time like the world has never known before. But you know what? I'm pointing all those things out about the tribulation. People will be mandated to receive that mark. In other words, they could have it in their hand, they could have it in their forehead. I've heard different theories about, well, this is how they're going to do it. We don't know that. I mean, it, some people say it's computer generated. You can't see it, but boy, those computers will get, pick it up. I don't know that. 
On the other hand, if people can re wear, re wear uh, tattoos head to toe, I imagine they could put one of those on. If they refuse it, they've probably put to death or they'll starve to death because they can't buy, sell, or trade. They might be able to hide, but they can't live. And then many of them will be taken on to heaven. So having said that, let me just use a modern day thing just to correlate it here. The COVID virus 19, it's the latest strand of a, the common cold, basically that's what it is. They don't like you to say that, but that's basically what it is. And, and I have a confession. I'm going to make this confession to you folks right now. It's going to shock some of you. I'm not a scientist, okay? I'm not even a Christian scientist, okay? So, uh, uh, but I, I do know one thing. Sometimes experienced teachers do some things. Years ago, I mean, I was 18 or 19 years old. I was loading in Chattanooga Pepsi-Cola trucks. I drove a forklift or load those things in the truck. Then when I got it completely full, I'd get off the forklift, go get in the truck, and drive it three blocks away and park it in this big lot that the Pepsi company had for it. Park it, then I'd walk back all three blocks. One of the most dangerous times of my life, scared, I'd say the most afraid times I had in my life, let me put it that way, was right then. Martin Luther King had gotten killed, shot this particular week. And of course, I was working, I worked uh, something like about uh, 7 o'clock to 11 at night. Sometimes it went further than that if we didn't have enough workers. Sometimes it might be until 2 in the morning. This section would be more of the black section of town in that day. And so there'd be three-story buildings that were apartment buildings and had bars in them at the bottom. I just knew walking back, a white boy was going to get shot and killed. And so I didn't walk like that, I walked like this, okay? I mean, I made a beeline back. The last part of it, I had to go down a dark alley. I just thought, you know, I'm going to get shot. I was so thankful Martin Luther King preached peaceful march and protest. But at the time, I was scared. I really was. Now, having said that, I stayed there, and then the day came where they said, all right, uh, everybody's got to get a flu shot. The head of the plant said, okay, you got to get a flu shot. I said, I'm not getting a flu shot. He says, you're not getting a flu shot? Yes, you are. He said, I said, no, I'm not. Well, he said, let me put it to you this way. If you don't get the flu shot, or vaccine, if you want to call it that, same thing. If you don't get it, and you get sick, and you miss a day of work, you're fired. Now, they could do that back then. Matter of fact, an NFL coach just got fired because he wouldn't get it. So you think about the vaccine, that is, of, that they have today. <coughs> so you think about that, that you can't get a, you could lose your job. Well, I got the shot then. You know, I mean, I needed the job. I was going to school. I needed the job. I got the shot. I had never been that sick before or since then. I mean, that was the sickest I've ever been. For three days, I was bringing things up. Found out what happened that passage that I 
lost when I was a little baby, I think. Uh, I mean, I was bringing things, and uh, high fever, and I, you know, I was in a bad way. Finally pulled out. But, when they say, do you need a flu shot? No, not getting it. And, and I, I learned that, not to get it. Oh, well, it's so much different today. Yeah, but I'm not. I'm still me. So, so I won't get a flu shot. They came out with the vaccine. Now, look, this COVID vaccine, if you got it, I'm not against you. If you don't get it, I'm not against you. You see, I'm not going to be a busybody and put my nose in your business and condemn you for not getting it or condemn you for getting it. That's up to you. Christians, you have no business condemning anybody for getting it or not getting it. You're just being a busybody. You're being a, uh, somebody that is uh, really sowing discord. Busybody and other matter, men's matters. The Bible calls that an abomination. The same word that it uses for homosexuality, if you want to know what God thinks of it. So no, I'm not going to do that. But I've chosen not to take the vaccine. I mean, goodness gracious, we need 72 this month. What's wrong with heaven? The Bible says it's far better. Now, not that I'm trying to get COVID. I've had so many tests, I decided after the last one, they can take my blood, but they're not going to stick another thing up my nose and set it on fire again. Okay, that, that's me. Now, uh, I come across that because of an experience I had. Uh, but I got to thinking about it. Do you realize in our country, I think it's totally 100% wrong. A woman can kill a baby inside her body, a human baby inside her body, because it's her body and she has control of it. It's her power. And I think it's wrong, but that's the law. It's still sin, even if it's the law or not. It's the law of man, but it's not the law of God. But on the other hand, if I just take their side and say, okay, have power of our own body, I'm not taking the vaccine. I don't care how much you mandate it. Why? Because my legal right, by their law system, I don't have to take it. Now, boy, that's, don't use it that way. Well, if they tell you to, if you're a Christian, you ought to obey what the, uh, they say because the Bible says we're to obey those in authority over us. Okay. So, you know what? That old Daniel, how stupid could he be to be praying towards Jerusalem when the government said you can't do that? How was, how... Could you say anything was good about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they wouldn't bow down to the golden image and it was the law that they did and they'd get thrown into the fiery furnace if they didn't and they did. Uh, what's wrong with Peter and John? They're told not to preach in that name of Jesus anymore. You see, they were in sin because they didn't obey government. Paul was in prison. Time after time, he is beaten with rods, Got 39 stripes many times because the government didn't want him preaching the Word of God. Now, the question comes down, do you obey God or man? That's it. 
Now you're going to have men that tell you, do the best you can, you're going to get to heaven. That's the biggest lie out of hell. You join this church, you're going to go to heaven. No, you're not. What you got to do, if you're going to go to heaven, you better see that you're a sinner that needs a Savior. So all these things, when you look at them, I can understand that with these mandates, why people would receive the mark of the beast. And it's going to seal their judgment. Now, I, I find it interesting that there are people who've had the vaccines. I've heard of some bail palsy. I've heard of some with heart attacks. I've heard of some with seizures and other things that never had those problems. So it makes me ask, is it from the vaccine? I don't know. I don't say, yeah, that's from the vaccine. I just know a lot of them have. I, I know they don't announce it on the news, do they? The ones that died after they got it. But I'm saying, I'm not making a political statement today. What I'm trying to say is I can understand how people will have a greater fear of government, they'll have a greater fear of man, they'll have a greater fear of rejection than they do a fear of God. And that's the most unwise thing that you can do. And as a Christian, to seek to fulfill the desire of the flesh is just as unwise than to seek the will of God. Now, I've gone to all that direction just to say this. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. Keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man, he says. The whole duty. Fear God. Keep His commandments. What is that? For God, not me, for God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Now let's think about our duty then. What is the duty of man? Let me give you something that God tells all men. I mean, no matter who you are, God tells all men this. Acts 17.30. In the times of this ignorance, God winked at. But now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Why? Because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. How? By that man whom he hath ordained, wherefore he hath given assurance unto all men, and that he hath raised him from the dead. In other words, <coughs> Jesus Christ died for your sin. Now he's calling us to repent. Remember, faith is not an intellectual understanding. It is a deliberate commitment to the person of Jesus Christ. That's why we read in Acts 3, 19, Repent ye therefore and be converted. Be committed to Christ. Now instead of fulfilling your desire, your lust, the way you think it ought to be, no, be converted. It's God's way. That your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. What must you do? You must admit, I'm a sinner and I can't save myself. 
I must believe that Jesus died on that cross for my sin. And he was buried and he rose up dead from the dead bodily, victorious over hell and the grave. Therefore, Revelation 1, 18, he has the keys of hell and of death. I must believe, Romans 10, 9, that thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. Lord, his deity, Jesus, his humanity. God has raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved for with the heart, the life, man believeth unto righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made in salvation. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God doesn't lie. He tells you the way of salvation. And he says, if you'll come to him, he'll save you. Repentance is not saying, oh, well, I've got to stop that. Oh, I've got to stop that. And I've got to stop. No, you're turning to him and letting him cleanse you of your sin. And you're going to walk according to his word and will, his way. Now, are you 100% sure? Can you give a Bible reason today why you know that if you died today, that heaven's your home? If you can't. I want you to know that today you see the motto, speaking the truth in love. That's because the love of God, let alone the love that we would have, which would never match the love of God, but the love is that we don't want you to go to hell. We want you to have everlasting life. But you have responsibility. You must come. You must come. Oh, won't you come? Let's bow our heads, please.